Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Gridiron Blitz Podcast, your weekly source for women's American football, insights, game recaps, and NFL News Weekly. Subscribe on Apple and iHeart. Welcome to Great Art Blitz. Oscar Lopez in the house. We're going to have the return of the Hall of Famer, Holly Custis, today. And we're going to be talking WNFC Week 2 and previewing Week 3. We have two awesome guests. It's going to be Mariah Lopez and Marissa Lopez of the Las Vegas Silver Stars. And they're going to kind of preview their upcoming matchup here this coming week. We're also going to dive into the second hour of the WNFC Week 2 recap with Mark Simone and also Nate Ward. And then we're going to dive into week three preview as we've got a, a lot of Pacific Conference matchups all over the place. So uh, we're going to dive in pretty much WNFC all for the next two hours. In general, we're going to talk XFL week eight right now with the Hall of Famer. Let's bring her in the house. Uh, let's see her. Holly, it's in the house. Holly, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing great. Welcome back. Thank you. Glad to be back. Well, Holly, uh, a lot of changes. Uh, you saw week one to week two. Uh, we got the power rankings. Uh, the unofficial power rankings yeah. got some comments from us. With, with the no joke football power rankings, were just strictly points. So I got you know I got a Mississippi feeling a little bit left out there, thinking that you know it's only one week, so it's not like you know you don't have to overreact. Oh yeah, that's the that's the name of the game though. You know, it's early in the season, right? And um there's different types of rankings. You know, there's uh somebody can give their opinion type of rankings, there's committee voting rankings, there's more like the style that um uh that you started, which is more of a mathematical ranking. Um and so if you're any team out there, you just gotta keep your head down and, and do what you gotta do. Um, you know, if you're Mississippi, you've had one game, so it's really early. You just got to keep keep your head down and keep doing what you're doing. Everything will work out in the end, you know, uh, especially when you have teams that have bye weeks early. You know, this team might have two games. This team might have one game. It all evens out at the end. You just got to keep doing what you're doing. Now, Holly, um, the rankings kind of will vary week to week in terms of output. We got teams obviously with offensive power, which is high-powered offenses, and then we have teams that are really right. struggling in terms of the run game, in right. terms of consistency with the balance attack as well. So week one right. kind of showed us, you know, big firepower on these coasts, and then all of a sudden week two, uh, kind of everybody coming back to earth. Yeah, you know. There's a lot of change from from last year, and um, in an era where where people are moving around a little bit more uh, than previous generations, you know, that takes time. And usually defense is ahead of offense for most teams at the beginning of the year because the defense is a little easier to install defense. You know, you you install your, your, your scheme, your alignments, your coverages, and once you kind of get that in, it's more read and react to make adjustments depending on who you're playing. 
offense has a, a little bit more to it. There's more moving parts, especially if you have new pieces. You need to gel together. The offensive line needs to gel. If you have a new coordinator, the, you know, you might need to kind of figure out what your identity is, that sort of thing. That usually takes more time. So, you know, you'll start to see offenses that are struggling early. By the end of the season, they'll hit their stride. So it's not surprising. I think uh, we'll continue to see uh, those offenses improve, though. And I think a reality sunk in, like this week, Kansas City was a big blowout, right, in the week one against right. Florida. And all of a sudden, week two here, Philly steps up their game, right? Uh, so not so much on right. offense, but they stepped up their game defensively. And so we saw that, you know, the, the two setbacks that was working really well against Florida – not necessarily working well against the Philly defense. Yeah, and that happens too because football is a game of, of matchups, right? And what may work very well against one team might not work against another team. So the really, really gifted programs are able to figure out who are we, what do we do well, who's the other team, what do they do well, how can we take advantage of certain things that they don't do well. And that's the chess match that football is and that's where it gets really fun so you know if you're if you're a team that does well one week and not well the next week you can't hang your head you just got to think okay well now we know you know against this front maybe that doesn't work as well maybe we need to make an adjustment in how we block it that sort of thing so as long as you're making adjustments each week to get better that's what that's what really counts so no surprise, uh, Polly, to you and me and everybody else, no surprise Texas is basically just playing their game. Uh, no different than last year, they're just playing their game. Uh, if you go into the Utah mode, uh, they're, they're playing their game. <laughs> Literally, Sarah Galicia playing her game, just touchdown machine now. Um, so, you know, yeah. in other words, the top, the top dogs and the runner-up showing what they're capable of, um, they haven't uh, – dropped off even with uh, a new coach new coach in utah it's been somewhat a right. very offensive production yeah and, and that's you know really a good thing to, to bring up is even though you know texas and utah have had some changes they still have their same identity utah knows mm-hmm. who they are texas knows who they are um, their main uh pieces in a lot of cases are still there you know that is a huge advantage, especially early in the season when you're playing teams that really don't know who they are yet. And so if, when you're talking about Texas, until somebody knocks them off, like, that's who they are, right? And, you know, Utah, again, has had a lot of changes, but I think you cannot forget that it's Utah. And they have a lot of key people that have returned. They have a lot of speed still. So I'm not surprised about either of them, to be honest. And until, you know, teams um, start beating them, they're going to be there. Yeah, and I think that's what we've seen so far through two weeks, that, you know, the top five, not necessarily any different than than last year, but it's going to be six through ten, right? That's going to be the difference makers in terms of identity. Like you said, the next two or three weeks really determines six through ten, right, top ten. And then after that, we have a drop-off because we got, you know, 11 through 16 really struggling. Like you said, they have no identity, no consistency, penalties, uh, you know, bad penalties, 
even penalties on just getting off the field, <laughs> which is not a good thing uh, week to week. So, yeah, so it's, it's, it's sort of like preseason technically for the WNFC. So technically these three, four weeks is the preseason, right, to get your stuff together, start finding your identity, trying to put together a game plan that's going to, you know, match up against the next opponent because time's running out, right. especially if you're from 11 through 16, your time's running out. Because you're you're already losing, you're already lost. You're below 500, in other words. Yeah, and then the other component is that because the sport is growing, and because the league is growing, there's a lot of youth, and that's when you have a lot of young players. Those are the things that you see. You see silly mistakes. You see, you know, breaking out of hotel people sort of mistakes. You know, that sort of thing. And you know. Some, so the leadership is a huge piece of this. And so when you look at a team like Texas and Utah, they have leadership. And so the other teams out there, there's a lot of really good teams that are going to buy for playoff spots. And I feel like the key is leadership. If you have really good leaders on your team that can lead the youth and kind of, you know, keep everyone's head on straight, that's the key. Um, and I think it's going to be really fun because, we're going to see some teams um, that try to push to, into that next level. And I'm curious to see who, that, who that's going to be. All right. So let's dive into XFL here before we bring our interviewees in here in a couple minutes. And that's going to be Ma- Mariah Lopez and Mar- uh, Marissa Lopez from the Las Vegas Silver Stars, former uh, X-League LA Black Storms uh, and Legends Football League as well. So we're going to bring them in here in a couple minutes, and we're going to dive into their uh, next matchup as well, and their journey into the WNFC. So, Holly, uh, for them, it, you know, seven on seven, now it's 11, uh, a transition in somewhat, right? Oh, definitely. I think, you know, seven on seven, um, no matter if it's like, a, you know, uh, an X-League version or a flag or any kind of those versions, it's a much different view than when you have 11 on 11. When you have 11 on 11, the blocking's way different. It's more condensed. There's more bodies in there. Um, it's more physical because there's so many more bodies on the field. So uh, I'm curious to get their viewpoints and what they've noticed as far as those differences are concerned. Um, but, yes, I do think there's definitely going to be a difference. All right, Holly. Uh, the defenders last week thought they were unbeatable, and then the last place Orlando Guardians – uh, one point victory. So shout out to the Guardians, right, for stepping up their game against the best team in the yeah. XFL. That was just shocking, and I'm pretty sure Louis, Louis, Louis Cook was also shocked because <laughs> that yeah. was just shocking to see. Yeah, no, um, really good for Orlando. You know, I think so. I went to the Sea Dragons and DC game uh, this last weekend. It's a second game that I went to the Sea Dragons and you know it's kind of fun it's a little bit different um, different environment different rules but anytime you get to watch football it's really fun so I'm, I'm kind of enjoying getting to know some of these players some of them I recognize you know from college because uh, I watch a lot of college uh, some of them you know I didn't know from uh, watching college and it's kind of fun to get to know a new team um, so I, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying the XFL so far. And the the Sea Dragons started off pretty bad, and then they kind of just got momentum, yeah. right? 
Yes, definitely. They picked up uh, Philip Lindsay. He used to be um, a running back for the Broncos, and um, he's doing well. They have Danucci, who um, had a short stint with the Cowboys. and uh, They started off a little rough in the early going of the season, but seemed to have gotten um, more more momentum like you had uh, talked about. And uh, so I think, according to the standings, they still have a shot to play out, so they gotta, they got to win out and, and get some help. All right, so uh, let's look at the week eight here that happened. Uh, we had uh, Vipers with the first overtime in XFL, right, Vi- uh, battle, uh, Vipers versus Battlehawks. St. Louis really digging yeah. their new team uh, when, because the NFL, the Rams and the NFL shafted them. So they're really embracing this right. uh, St. Louis Battlehawks, you know, allure and everything else. And we also saw St. Louis Slam kind of trying to work together, just like uh, Texas Elite's trying to, you know, hook up with the Arlington Renegades as well. So, so that, that kind of votes well right. for both brandings. Um, Arlington clinched a narrow victory over uh, are the Guardians. So the Guardians, uh, much improved, right? They, they, they get a one-point win, and this past weekend they, they lose by two points. So shout-out to their defense, right, for keeping them in games, and uh, shout-out to the much-improved offense so far. Yeah, I mean, if you're a team that's struggling and you're able to get a big win against, you know, what seems to be the best team in the league so far, and then you followed up with, you know, you didn't win, but you were in the game and, and lost a close one, definitely a good, a good sign. Because you want, uh, even if you don't make the playoffs this year, going into next year, you want momentum and you want to be competitive. So a good showing by them. Yeah, and I thought it was really interesting to see that, um, you know, both both matchups here in the north and the south, uh, we're going to see Seattle probably stay con- competitive and maybe make the playoffs, even though at the beginning it seemed pretty dim. Uh, but now it's really it's about D.C. really standing tall and see what they're going to do. Um, I think they uh, they have the tiebreaker against St. Louis, so that makes it interesting. Um, let's go into the playoff format before we bring in our uh, our two guests here. So uh, the XFL consists of eight teams divided into two divisions, north and south. Each team plays ten games, right, facing each other, uh, I believe, twice, and one team from the opposing division. So at the end, uh, it's going to be the top two teams from each division advancing to the playoffs. So the playoff format is a single elimination bracket featuring four teams with each round consisting of one game. So we're looking at uh, division semifinals, the top two teams from each division compete in the divisional semifinals. First place team from each division hosts the second place from each team from the same division in a single game. The winners of these games advance to the XFL championship. The championship uh, victory teams from the division semifinals face off in the location selected at the beginning of the season, competing for the XFL championship. So, uh, interesting uh, culmination for the game. It's going to be, I believe, May 13th, if I'm correct. Yeah, May, thir- May 13th. At the Alamo Dome, so uh, I'm, you know, if you're a, a Brahmas a fan, uh, you know, started off somewhat hot, and all of a sudden it's kind of been disappointing. But you know, San Antonio does get an XFL team, which they've been looking for the NFL for so long. So I guess you know they get the championship. Yeah, you know, I've, I've been down to the Alamo Dome for um, its first team uh, when I was a kid, and. Um, I knew since then, I think I was about 11, they've been wanting a football team there forever. So it's really cool to see more kids uh, like that to get a, to get a team, 
you know, you're talking about St. Louis, from what I understand, like their their fans are are you know bringing it basically at every home game, and so it's kind of fun to see markets that don't normally have that uh, get to be a part of something. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a nice market for them too. Uh, it's kind of like a, a Texas market that uh, isn't Houston or Dallas. And I think that's going to be nice to see for them because we'll see how they can, how that works out for them in terms of like uh, you know fanfare and how the fanfare is going to act right. on there as well. Because I think that I yeah. think San Antonio is a good market. I, I don't I, I the NFL I think hasn't touched it, but I mean they they got the Spurs right and they got hockey, they got other games and stuff right. like that. So all right, um, let's see here, what else do we got? Uh, got Marissa and Marissa and Mariah are going to be on the line right now. So let's talk to them. Uh, it's going to be uh, in the Zazzle huddle uh, sponsored by Zazzle.com. Go to the Nordic football shop, Zazzle, use Zazzle. Thanks. Uh, worldwide shipping. Check out our new uh, not a boys game collection featuring Cassie Cubis of the Denver bandits. Plus uh, Lisa Gomes of the Calgary rage. Go to at no joke football on uh, IG and go to the gridiron beauties uh, reels. You get to check out our stuff there. So let's dive into the Lopez sisters and the 2023 Las Vegas Silver Stars. Hi, Marissa and Mariah. How you doing? Hello. Hey, how are you? We're doing great. Uh, we're talking football, like everybody else likes yes. to talk football. We love it. Uh, girls, uh, you're on with myself. Uh, and then you're also on with uh, the Hall of Famer, Holly Custis, uh, formerly from the Utah Falcons of last year in the WNSD. Um, so, uh, Mariah and Marissa, uh, tell us a little bit about this experience, the shift from 7-on-7, seven seven, which I know you guys play flag, and then X-League, but now 11. So let's, let's start with you, Mariah. What's, what's, been, what's the difference there for you? Coaches, they're all well, predominantly all female coaches. I think we have, like, one male coach. But that's been a really, like, um, inspiring thing for me to learn from these women that are just incredible athletes and incredible mentors. And, you know, they're like our big sisters, too. So that's been a, a, a positive shift for me. <laughs> Marissa? Yes, and uh, this is Marissa. So for me, it's been a great shift in momentum for um, us and, you know, playing 11s. Again, you know, we are being coached by females, which is, going to be our first year um, being coached by females. So that's a really awesome thing to be able to just take a lot of information that they're giving us and uh, being able to apply it and just staying humble and uh, learning as much as we can. Uh, Marissa, let's, let's uh, stay with you. Um, quarterbacking, we don't have very many left-handed quarterbacks. So structurally, everybody's usually right-handed, right? But you're left-handed. Mm-hmm. So uh, is, there a big, is there a big advantage for you? in terms of what the coaches have put together for a game plan for you? Because I know you, you're, you were able to spread the ball differently. You are able to get the ball in a, in, a, in a different shift because most defenses mm-hmm. are used to right-hand quarterbacks. Great shift. Um, I think just uh, being able to learn from um, a former quarterback in the league has been great. And then just being able to, um, I guess, shift the mindset. So not a lot of uh, teams know, um, know me yet. So we're able to use that as our advantage and uh, come out of the gate rocking. Lucky lefty. Now, uh, <laughs> now uh, Mariah, uh, able to score the touchdown, which is really exciting to see uh, for you to put out there the, the points out there. 
last year this team kind of struggled offensively. What has, what has uh, you know, the coaches been introducing in terms of the game plan? I know you're a weapon. You've got a running back's uh, weapons as well. So offensively, you know, are, are you a key piece of this offense, as we saw in the, in the last game? Um, no, I think every single one of the receivers are key pieces, and they, they um, were able to go in and out of the game, um, like, fluidly. Um, I was in and out. So I think that they utilize all of our receivers um, very well. So what was, what's the advantages for you guys in terms of the receiver core at this point? Is it more of a shifting mode? In other words, depends on the play or depends on what the defense is bringing for you guys at this point? I think it definitely depends on the play, yeah, because um, we'll, like, run the ball and then um, we'll, like, air it out, um, just, like, trying to um, deceive the defense. And and um, they know our strengths, and, you know, we, we were able to come out with the win. So that was really exciting. It, it It's just momentum going into the next game. Marissa, um, your style of play is um, not a pocket, per se, quarterback. But more of like you know, if you got to run, you got to run, right? Or if you got to shift out, you got to shift out. Which uh, a lot mm-hmm. of the teams in this league don't have that luxury, except for maybe the top five teams in the league. So mm-hmm. being a little elusive it is it's somewhat an advantage, especially in the Pacific, where you got you know a lot of the top, a lot of the teams are always in a dogfight. Right. Yeah. Thank you uh, for that. I. I... Um, I do like getting out of the pocket, but I am learning to stay in and trust my line. I have a really great line, um, and, you know, I'm learning to uh, do both. If I have to uh, get out of the pocket, then I have to do what I have to do, but also trusting um, that I have an amazing line and a, an amazing team um, that can get that job done as well. All right, guys, traveling, No, you're no strangers to traveling because I know you guys are doing, like, flag tournaments all across the country. So. <laughs> Traveling hasn't been an issue for you, and it's probably even probably even better now because L.A. to Vegas is is kind of like a I don't know a gift. <laughs> you got to L.A. Right. to Vegas. It's more of a gift. Um, it's just right? a road trip. But, uh, what what happened? Like, why not the L.A. Legends? In other words, you went to the Silver Stars. You know, instead of traveling, you would have been right there next door. I mean, is there is there a reason you're in Vegas? In other words, that's the question. Okay, so funny story. Um, our teammate, uh, Melissa Miles, uh, she used to play um, for the LFL LA Temptations with us. Um, she just called us up one night, or called me up one night, and I was just mentioning, I, it was just a, like a casual conversation. I was like, oh, yeah, we've always wanted to do 11s, but, you know, we never really had the opportunity because of flag and um, arena ball. And I was like, honestly, this would be the only time that we would uh, get you know, a year off from everything and opportunity to, to play 11s. And she like jumped on that and called up the coach. And honestly, everything happened so fast before I could even talk to Marissa about it. And we were on the team and I was like, so I think we just got added to the Vegas roster, Marissa. And she was like, what? Um, so it just all happened so fast. But I think it's been a, um, honestly, I think it's just been, it happens for a reason. Yeah, and, and like, when we went to visit, uh, everyone was so nice and welcoming, and we felt like we belonged there as well. So that was, um, you know, a great feeling um, to be like, yeah, this is, um, you know, they want us, they and this is where we feel like we belong. welcomed in, us in with open arms. It was the greatest feeling, honestly, because we didn't know what to expect, you know, coming from arena ball to, you know, 11s. It, it, we just didn't know how the reaction was going to be. 
No, and it sounds like a great, uh, you know, opportunity, and you already had, you know, a teammate to be yeah. comfortable with and to hang out with, so that's that's a big difference. All right, let's bring in Holly in here to pick you guys' brains uh, and, and, and get get some information from you further from that. Hey, guys, how's it going? Hi. Hi, how are you? Good, good, good. Um, so awesome to see you guys on, on the Levin side. Uh, like Oscar had said, uh, I know there's probably some stylistic differences. Uh, so I'm going to ask you, I guess, individually, what do you notice when you're on the field? Is your vision a little bit different because there's more people on the field? Like, what have you noticed so far with that? Um, so Mariah and I have had conversations about this, um, just like as a receiver eye and, and um, a quarterback. I think there are a lot more people in the pocket for 11. Uh, so right. being able to read a different field um, and a for, formation and, and a bigger field. And um, the right. routes are a little bit different because of everything's um, longer. everything is like, you know, a longer field, a, a bigger field. Um, so our, our right. route tree is a lot different than the 11s, but we, um, we, we just have to stay, um, like, basically adapt to every environment that we come into. And I think we've been able to do that. Um, kind of fluidly, which it's been really, it's been really fun to see um, our transition and seeing that, like, adjust. yeah, and we're, we're just having fun with everything. We, we love flag, we love arena, right. we love 11. Uh-oh, are you still there? Hello. Hello. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought, yeah, that's, that's mm-hmm. awesome, though, because I, I figured it would be a different experience, but uh, what are your individual and team goals for this season? Um, just being a team player and uh, doing what is what is needed, um, working hard, um, and just just working as a team. To be honest, that's that's been um, a goal for for us. You know, our entire football uh, journey is just remaining um, the hardworking athletes that we've been coming into this um, like football journey. And uh, team goal, obviously, we want to we want a championship win, so <laughs> we're gonna work right. hard to get that. Very cool, very cool. You guys got the, the win uh, in your first game. Uh, what do you think you have to do to get the win against San Diego this coming weekend? Um, I think that uh, just being more fluid in, in the offense and um, we, moving the ball. Yeah, and, and just moving the ball. Our defense played a really great game. Oh, man, our defense out, out. So just having their back um, on the offensive side. And, um, yeah, I think that we would definitely have a great chance to um, win this game. Yeah. Everything has Very to cool. connect. What – do you guys have any pre-game rituals? I always find everyone has their own thing that they like to do before a game. Girl, we pray before every game. We got to <laughs> pray for no injuries, pray for um, a fun, right. you know – happy game and positive game and that we um, remain like controlled. Our emotions are controlled and our mindset is just, um, you know, at peace. Right. Any special like pregame meal or music you you need to listen to? So what was crazy is um, this, this last game, uh, we got to the field and it was honestly like game time right then and there. Um, But, you know, for, arena ball we get to the field um like very very early 
like literally at 9 a.m. and we're there all day just preparing mentally and um, like doing the photo shoots and things like that. But yeah, that was a little different for us. Um, we d- I don't feel like we had enough time to prepare mentally. Our goal this game is definitely to prepare. Yeah, get there, get there way before game time and prepare. Right. That's cool. I can I can totally see that difference. Um, do you guys have any funny stories so far this season? I know it's really early. Um, any stories? <laughs> um. Oh, oh, this one's funny. So before, so you know, every every team has like different ways of of doing things. And um, Ryan and I mm-hmm. noticed like during our warm up that we were the only ones wearing helmets, <laughs> and everybody oh. else had their helmet off. So they kind of just like joked it around like with us, it was like we were like rookies, and we we're just like, oh my gosh, how embarrassing! You know that happened <laughs> in the game too. And and. <laughs> Before the game, I had my helmet on, and they were like, that's the only one with the helmet on. Like, you'll find it. So just learning how to adapt to a different uh, team and, and a different uh, way of of, they, of them doing things. Yeah. That was actually oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that totally makes sense. Every team has their different pregame warm-up schedule, and so that, that makes sense. Yes. The helmets um, are totally and... different, too. It's it's so much heavier. Well, it's been good, but, oh, yeah, the, the the helmets are heavy. <laughs> Do you feel like the um, division is a little bit different when you put the helmet on? The cages? The vision? Yeah, um, yeah a little bit, actually. Yes. I feel fun. like I could see more with the, the clear mask um, rather than right now with the um, the caged helmet, for sure. Interesting. I always wonder, because I saw, you know, obviously – um, you know, there's different styles of helmets, and I was always wondering if, if, if people, when they transitioned over into 11, felt that difference. So, um, yeah. and then I know that you guys are, you know, obviously our sisters and grew up together. What sports did you grow up playing? Volleyball, basketball, softball. Marissa ran track um, for a couple years more than I did, but yeah, we we've we've been introduced to like every sport. And we did um, intramural uh, flag football. Well, I played intramural flag football when I was um, a junior in college, and I played uh, college volleyball. Very cool, because I, I found, like, I played four sports in high school, and I found I'm a very big proponent for play as many sports as possible when you're young. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yes. Specialize too early because it translates. You know, I felt like mm-hmm. basketball helped me a lot with footwork. Um, you know, so I feel like if you run track, obviously that helps you if you're a receiver. So stuff like that right, is really right. very important. Uh, yeah, we, we, we very also play softball. So being able... oh, oh, sorry. sorry. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying we also you played, you softball played softball growing up. So being, yes, being able to like adjust and, and already know how to catch a ball and yeah. the footwork. Um, yeah. Right. So it definitely, again, translated. Basketball translates. All of it. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like softball helps with being a quarterback? Yes. Um, you know, just with having that confidence of throwing. And then um, – right. but it is different. You know, I, I coach um, kids on uh, the quarterback position, and a lot of girls right. can throw the football as um, – you know, they've played softball before, but it's just like, you know, having that technique. Right. Um, and, you know, right. but it's your hands. Right. right. Yeah. But it definitely transferred over, and I see a lot of uh, softball players able to throw a football. 
But that makes sense because you look at uh, on the men's game, a lot of guys that grew up playing baseball end up being really good quarterbacks. Um, mm, you know, yeah, from the arm strength. That makes sense. Um, and yeah. then were you guys very competitive with each other when you were kids? Yeah, we definitely, um, the, the saying iron sharpens iron, we definitely experienced that our entire lives. And I feel like it leveled us up into the athletes and competitors we are now. But it's all, like, it's all love. You know, that's my sister at the end of the day. Like, we're going to compete, but we're going to, you know, cheer for each other at the end of the day. And, and you know, it's, it's all love. It's all, um, you know, just friendly competition. Right. Very, very cool. And my last question for you um is, you know, obviously you guys grew up playing sports. Uh, what NFL players do you try to play like, or do you have anybody that you uh, really look up to in the NFL? Okay, I love Beast Mode. <laughs> he's, he's actually, right. like, very, very funny um, off the field. Um, I've seen de- several videos of him, but, you know, the athlete he was on the field, he was very competitive, and he just was just a dog, honestly, just so inspiring. Right. He just didn't care. He just, you know, ran the ball and just, you know, got the job done. He, he's here so he doesn't get fined. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Facts. <laughs> yeah, and uh, for me, and he, I think that um, after reading, like, the Steve Young book, I really appreciate him as an athlete on and off the field. Um, he was a great leader. Right. So, um, you know, I always refer to him uh, whenever I'm, you know, in a position uh, to make a decision, like, trying to be the best leader I can be. And then um, Lamar Jackson, because he um, is a really great uh, quarterback as well, and, like, this time, um, and able to, like, run the ball if he is in um, any trouble. Very, very good. Very good people to pick, for sure. There's all all people I like as well. Uh, I'm really excited to see you guys the rest of the season. Uh, You know, I hope you guys have a lot of fun. I really, really... I uh, think that this league and the sport has a lot to offer, so I hope that you enjoy your season. And I'll be watching from here and cheering you on. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much. We truly appreciate it. No All right, problem. girls. Oscar, back to you. <laughs> Thank, thanks, Holly. Um, so, uh, Mariah and Marissa, uh, we've got this game coming up this this week. we got to just start previewing that. Um, Marissa, what what, what uh, have we figured out about the ne- this coming weekend and how we're going to get that W? Um, you know, just making sure that um, I'm connecting with the receivers and um, and you know doing what my coach is uh, needing me to do pre-game and um, just staying focused the rest of the week um, to make sure that I'm in the right headspace. Um, if they need me, you know, when my number is called, then um, I get out there and do what I need to do. So San Diego, uh, usually pretty heavy run game. Uh, you got Adriana Gutierrez. You got Nenji Martin. Uh, their defense is really good. They've been good for almost you know three years since the league in exception. Uh, this this mm-hmm. specific conference, uh, Marissa, in terms of the defense, uh, doesn't respect anybody. <laughs> Everybody gets pounded. Mm-hmm. They get sacked. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of a challenge for your offensive line. But uh, what have you seen from? the you know the the defense that you can actually uh, exploit is it going to be over the top you know is it going to be in the middle anything you guys have like looked on film yet um i think that we were working on you know just different things that if they uh were to press or were to sit back um on different things that you know we can adjust to um 
So we're super excited to see what they come out in. And I have a lot of confidence in my line that they would be able to give um, us enough time uh, to do what we need to do as quarterbacks. Now, uh, Mariah, definitely over top. <laughs> yeah, no, of course, um, for you, of course. Uh, but you know, <laughs> your, your 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 receiving core has gotten better this year, not just with yourself, but you said the receiving core. We also have Jennifer, who's always a beast on the run game. So that's one of yes, the key elements yes. there Jen in terms of a balance amazing, attack. Amazing. Yeah, sure. and so yeah. Um, I mean, not to, not to say that you know. They don't have a, a great running back, but uh, Jennifer is really a steamroller. So if you, if you get the right. holes and the lines open, she's able to really uh, punish the defense. She is the 50 defense, and fast mm-hmm. <laughs> and pounds the ball, pounds it through. So, yeah, yeah she's, she's been, a, she's she's been so great to watch. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the keys that we're going to be watching this weekend because uh, San Diego coming off the uh, loss last uh, the, their last game, Obviously, they want to get off. Right. You know, they want to get onto a W. You guys, uh, you know, off the bye week here, want to continue that momentum because uh, right, right as soon as uh, this game this weekend, you guys are on the road and you're taking on Seattle, which is much improved. And then you're going to face probably your biggest challenge, which would be Utah. Utah. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're just staying prepared, um, watching film and drinking lots of water. <laughs> they always tell us, "Drink water, drink water." <laughs> Uh, Marissa, how are you balancing all this stuff? You got the motherhood side of things, uh, and all, you know all the aspects that comes with that, and the travel and everything else. So I know you got great family support because uh, I know I've seen that on your uh, on your uh, IG, you know, with your uh, your family and stuff. So uh, as a quarterback, you got to be really focused here. Uh, San Diego, like mm-hmm. you know, like anything else, San Diego's really. Uh, you know, wants to get that W, especially after that loss from the week one. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure they want to get that rebound win. Right. Um, you know, just, stay, you know, making sure that I'm balancing everything out um, and continuing to stay focused. I know what the goal is, and I know what my team needs from, you know, me um, to, you know, stay focused uh, whenever, you know, uh, that time comes. So, uh, Kingston travels with us. yeah, and, and, you know, making sure that, you know, Kingston is involved 100% um, as much as he can be, but also staying focused. <laughs> and I think that's going to be the key this weekend, uh, a balance attack. Uh, I, this is the first time San Diego has seen you in action. Like I said, you got some elusive skills there. Uh, you're also able to stay, like you said, in the pocket, as you, as you mentioned earlier. So, you know, mm-hmm. balance run game. Maybe a passing, a really good passing attack. To take advantage of here. You get the W here, and like I said, Seattle. Uh, you get the road on Seattle, and Seattle really looking to rebound from last season because they were they had disappointing. So two big matchups coming up for you guys, mm-hmm. huge the next two weeks. Yes, we're excited and we're ready to go. We're ready to you know put in the work and you know win. <laughs> All right. So, girls, thanks for making the time. Really appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to this matchup coming here against the San Diego Rebellion. Uh, the 1-0 and uh, Silver Stars taking on the 0-1 San Diego Rebellion. Uh, and you can catch Mariah and Marissa on W Score uh, under 10 bucks for the month and under 40 bucks for the year. So pretty, uh, pretty inexpensive way. You can catch every game that they're going to be playing. They're going to be in Seattle the, uh, the week after. They're going to be in Utah the week after that, and then uh, they finished strong uh, the last game of the season in Los Angeles. So I uh, wish you guys well. Stay healthy. Uh, looking for that W this weekend. Yes. Thank, you Thank you so, so much. much. Have a good day.
Have a good night. Bye. Bye. All right. Uh, Holly, uh, I'm, I just ran through the schedule here. Uh, winnable games. I think that I think they're winnable. Uh, Seattle might be a little a big test for them too, but uh, they're certainly uh, San Diego. Uh, I mean, they, they're struggling. I don't. We don't know what the circumstances are with Nenji Martin in terms of her condition and everything else that's been happening with her in in that aspect of it. But uh, I know the last game, uh, the Rebellion had the run game was somewhat shut down, and uh, Adriana wasn't able to get going. So. Uh, if the uh, Vegas D here does their job, there's an opportunity there for them to get this win. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's still really early in the season. You know, so like we were talking about before, it's hard to, um, you know, really know what teams are about until you get a little bit further in the season. But definitely I think that uh, Vegas has a lot of talent. Um, when you come to San Diego, that's an, an established team. They're physical. You know, they have uh, leadership and experience. Uh, mm-hmm. So Vegas is going to have to come, you know, like you said, with a with a balance attack. They're going to have to, uh, you know, if, if San Diego chooses to build the box, they're going to have to be able to get around that. And um, and so, you know, on the other side, they're going to have to stop the run game. So it's going to be a very good game because it will kind of tell you a lot about where both teams are, and it will be a very key game when it comes to uh, possible playoff seeding. You know, this this will be that type of game. And, you know, we got we can't we can't sit here and not mention uh, they, they're going up against Mercedes Tyler. <laughs> which is yep. and not easy to do. That's, no, no, Mercedes, um, is, it, you know, it's like me where she, she's been playing forever, you know, yep. but at the same time she's still productive, which I think is a huge, huge, um, you know, skill. Uh, year after year she's very, very consistent, and she's definitely uh, the leader of that defense, and so uh, she'll have that defense ready to go. And you, they got three-headed monster on that side, and that's something that Marissa, uh, Marissa's going to have to tackle with uh, Brittany Lucian, uh, Catherine Claxton, to add to the two, uh, the, you know, the Mercedes Tyler uh, beast mode there. So impressive there. Can uh, San Diego get the run game going with Adriana Gutierrez? We'll see how well the Silver Stars defense right steps up to their game and see if they are able to contain. They didn't pass very much in game one, uh, Holly. So you feel like, okay, they, they, I think they only had one, a couple passes, and it was mostly to Katie Ott uh, from what I see on the, uh, on the stats here. So uh, they got I think they're going to have to try to air the ball a little bit more instead of just staying on the ground. Yeah, they'll, they'll probably mix it up. I would imagine that San Diego will try to establish the run first and then see if they can um, suck Vegas up you know, make them come into the box and try to to go play action or, or try to uh, go off of that. Um, but I would imagine they'll probably take a shot or two. And uh, on the other side, uh, previewing this game and staying with it, uh, Jennifer, like we just talked about, uh, Jennifer and Gariola, I mean, that, she is just a, a brute force to be reckoned with. And then, you know, if, if they can uh, somehow create lines for her, that could be trouble for San Diego. Definitely, definitely. And I think if you can, you know, I, I'm a big, big old school believer in that the run should set up the pass. It's just kind of my personality. 
Um, but if you can get the running game going, it just makes it so much easier on your passing game because I think because I played linebacker for so long, if I was playing a team that had both the ability to run and pass, now you have to think about two things. Now you have to be aware of two different things coming at you. If you know that they're just pass, 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 uh, it makes it a little bit easier because you're only having to really think about mainly one, you know, uh, part of the offense or vice versa. So if you can have balance and you can use the run to set up the pass, it can be really, really deadly. Defensively, in terms of Las Vegas, they've gotten a little bit more more improved. Uh, the contributions not from just one player, but various players, including uh, Gaines and Valdez and uh, Nunes Barrera and, and Madrid. So they have the weapons to maybe pressure uh, Nenji Martin and maybe contain Gutierrez, right? Uh, so there's a battle right there on both sides. It's, it's going to be a tough, uh, tough battle on both sides. And it's always been this way. Uh, I think, Holly, since we've been following, since the inception of the WNFC, the Pacific Conference is always a dogfight. Every week is a dogfight. Low scoring, you know, it, you, get, you get an opportunity where all the teams can come like, just, I mean, they, they, I guess they're familiar with each other because it's, there's always a low scoring. Besides some weeks of exceptions, but most of them are, are low scoring. I think, you know, uh, it's a little bit different because, you know, this year, there's a lot of movement, right? So I'm just going to talk mm-hmm. off of last year um, since I was playing in that division. I I think that it's a familiarity, it's leadership, and it's good defense. I think the defenses were really, really strong in that area. You know, Denver had a good defense. Obviously, we had a good defense with Utah. I think Vegas had some, some key people. Obviously, San Diego had a good defense. And so I think it's just mainly kind of a style difference from other parts of the league. Um, but that might change this year because we've had a lot of movement. So we're still kind of figuring out, you know, uh, is this area still more defensively minded? Or, or is there going to be some more offense? You know, Utah's gotten their offense back up and rolling against Oregon this last weekend. So it's still a lot to be determined. But I do think that, the fact that uh, all those teams are playing each other so often does play a factor. You you do know what to look for, and uh, so that can that can help you when you when you're playing defense. The only uh, there's some advantages that that uh, Kerry Walters and and Vegas has is you got Mariah and Marissa as sister combo, right? The comfort zone there, right. the the opportunity to get the ball right and relying on your sister to get the ball. You know what I mean? There's like that comfort zone, and you also yeah. have the the shifting of the, what they did last weekend, which was putting Cindy Lou uh, Razzling at QB at times in a, in a changeout set and also putting her at receiver. So there are, the playbook is somewhat adjustable for them, and I think that might be a benefit. Oh, definitely. I think if you have people that you can move around like that, it puts more stress on the defense because, you know, you have to be like, oh, wait, she was at quarterback, now she's at receiver. Who's in at quarterback? And then you have to understand that the the quarterbacks might have different styles and they might. So on the one hand, you know, it's very stressful because you have to be prepared for all of that. Um, and if you can be effective moving the people around and you move a quarterback out to receiver and she can still, you know, pick up yards as a receiver, it, it can, it can definitely be an advantage. And I think it's going to be a good, a good battle. This matchup here, 
going to be uh, interesting to see. Uh, Las Vegas, uh, Poly, if they go 2-0, and uh, like I said, the opportunity there, a uh, big challenge to get Seattle next and then they'll get Utah next, uh, which would be the, the two major challenges. If they somehow overcome those, uh, that you know, they, they could be 4-0 and it's a brand-new environment for them in, in that sense, even without a, you know, a, a Dion Lee-led team of last year, which was pretty good. It just would give them more confidence. Oh, yeah. I mean, anytime you start 4-0, you're feeling pretty good. But uh, I think, you know, if you're Vegas, you got to take it a game at a time because, you you know, we can look ahead because we're not playing. <laughs> but right. it, you right. got to just take it a game at a time, uh, especially like we were talking about with the new pieces. You had a gel. Take it a game at a time. I mean, if you get bought, if you were to go and beat San Diego, Seattle, and Utah, then we are going to definitely give you all the flowers possible. But that is a hard stretch, and you have to take it a game at a time. Um, so we'll see what they can do, but they definitely, you know, have every opportunity to make some noise. All right, before we let you go, because we're going to dive into it more thoroughly in terms of uh, the next hour, but before I let you go here, what was your thoughts on, on week two overall? I think it was, a, you know, a really good weekend when it comes to understanding more about certain teams, you know. So, like, uh, Kansas City beat Philly, um, but Philly, I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, from, I heard from the um, announcer, uh, scored their first touchdown since the week five of last year. You know, so that's a big deal yep. when you're a team that, that has struggled like Philly to get that score on the board. Um, you know, so like we said, Kansas City um, dropped back down to earth a little bit. So they, they have some big question marks that they, they have to uh, now try to answer. You you had Florida beating Tennessee. Um, Tennessee brought a, a bit of a better defensive performance. Uh, but they're still kind of trying to figure out their offense. Uh, you know, of course, Texas, you know, Texas, <laughs> uh, my Houston team, you know, trying to figure out our identity. You know, it's playing Texas, and it's the second game you've ever played as <laughs> an entire program. That's a very, very tough ask, you know. So, um, but it's a measuring stick. So now Houston, we know what we need to work on, and we know kind of where we're at. So that's can be a blessing in disguise. Um, you know, Utah got rolling on, on Oregon, and Utah is trying to make a statement saying, hey, we're still Utah, don't forget about it. You know, so you, you learn a lot about some teams. Um, I had a really good time this weekend going back and forth between all the different, um, uh, you know, games and, and, and trying to learn about these teams. And so it's, it's fun, you know, I think. I think there's still a lot to be left on the table, and uh, I'm excited to see what else happens. Now, your girl Sarah out there, she's killing it in the red zone or the blue zone, right, the humble blue zone. Uh, she's just killing it. I mean, that's just offense is working for her. Yeah, you know, Sarah is very, like, sneaky because she's so she's such a nice person, one of my good friends, and she's just so unassuming that you don't, like you almost don't see her coming. I think people don't see her coming. But she she's an athlete, and if you give her an opportunity, she'll take advantage. And that's what they did against Oregon. Um, they seem to kind of get their confidence going. And so it's really mm-hmm. key 
for a team to get that early in the year. Um, you know, you want to be rolling and feeling good going in. I think the, the back end of their schedule uh, gets pretty competitive, so that they want to have that confidence going into that back end of the schedule. But I'm not surprised. I know some people might be, but I'm, I'm not surprised. All right. Um, Holly, uh, Florida, I mean, you get routed. You barely beat Tennessee, which, uh, to your point, Tennessee much improved on defense. The, the offensive identity they're still working on. But, I mean, you get Atlanta next. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what is going on in Florida, but you got to wake up because this is not going to get any better. Now, and it looks like they have Atlanta, Washington, and Atlanta again at the back end. So, you know, um, they'll have another game against Tennessee, but then the remaining – Three of the four games are against playoff-level teams. So it's going to be a big jump. Uh, you know, I, I think there's some talent on that team. You know, sometimes it just takes a little bit of time to figure out where to take advantage using that talent. And so, you know, by the end of the season, I'm sure they're going to be in a, in a better place as far as knowing how to do that. Um, but for right now, they gotta, they kind of have to regroup and, and try to figure it out as quickly as they can. I think defensively they're okay because, you know, they, they, they're doing somewhat of a containment. But, you know, if they repeat of week one against Atlanta, that's going to say a lot about the whole program in, in Florida, right, in terms of an overall team aspect. Yeah, I mean – Obviously, every team wants to win every game they ever play, but it's not realistic, right? But what you got to do if you're a team like Florida and you're trying to, like, figure it out, you have to look for the victories within the game. You know, you have to go and find what are the plays that we did well? How did we do it? How do we recreate that situation? You know, you have to – You have to. every team has to, especially on offense, uh, my – philosophy is you have to have your home base group of offensive plays that this is our bread and butter this is our identity and then create the rest of your offense around that so they have to find those four or five plays that they're like these are our plays get some confidence with it and then start to build off of that and then then I think we'll see some traction if you're Oregon uh, Holly you're the coach you get a bye week you get Los Angeles and what in a week or two in about a week or so, right? You get your bye week, and then you get then you get Los Angeles. Uh, then you're going to get another bye week after that. So you technically get one game, and then you're going to be off again. So if you're Oregon, this is a perfect opportunity to figure out what you're you know what you're good at because you know the only the weapons that they have are, are the O'Connor sisters. Or, I mean O'Connor uh, uh, players, and that's the only, been basically the only weapon so far. Yeah, the Oregon's in an, uh, an interesting spot because um, uh, Siobhan isn't playing this year, and she nope. was a big chunk of their mm-hmm. offense at times and a big chunk of their defense at times. So you, when you lose a player like that, you have to be like, okay, where do we go next? And so, you know, looking at their stats, they have one, two, three, four, five, like nine or ten people that carry the ball so far. So it kind of yep. looks like they're kind of trying to find where do we go. And there's definitely talent on that team. I think they just kind of have to figure out which direction to go now. Um, but 
when you have those bye weeks coming up, that's your chance to, to kind of figure that out. So they still have an opportunity. Um, they still have, you know, four games remaining, some bye weeks coming up to figure it out. And I think they'll be able to uh, make a push late in the season. Um, you know, I think they'll be okay. Yeah, shout out to Pettit and Tucker out there. Uh, they're playing the hearts out on the on defense. So, so they're doing as much as they can to get, you know, disrupt the other side. So, uh, but yeah, uh, if you're Oregon, I mean, that's it's gonna be a challenge here. You get the you get the bye week, uh, and then you get uh, Los Angeles. Then after that, you, you get another bye week, I think, and then you're gonna get Vegas. So two big matchups coming up for them. I mean, that's uh, crucial uh, for them to perform better. To your point, if you're if you're Philly, um, Polly, uh, are you feeling better that you scored a touchdown since week five of 2022? I mean, yeah, you got it. Like, if you if you have had kind of that kind of stretch that Billy has had, you got to take you got to take the victory where you can get it. And obviously, they wanted to win, and you know, I, I watched a chunk of that game, and they were outplaying Kansas City for a good chunk of that game. Yep. Um, but they're also, you know, from what I can see, a little bit younger. So I think they're they're still. Uh, it might take them a second to kind of figure out how to win, if that makes sense. You know, you look at the, a team like the, the the Lions. For a long time, the Lions were struggling winning, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I remember watching, like, Hard Knocks and and seeing, like, their coaching staff, like, trying to, to make sure that the, the players understand, like, when you're, when you're in an environment where you're losing a lot, you almost have to psychologically – let that go and realize it's okay to win. Yes, I can go ahead and take advantage of this, you know. And I think once they get that first victory, I think that will start to give them a lot more momentum. But I think this was definitely a big, big step. They got a touchdown. They held Kansas City, you know, to eight points, uh, you know, and I, I think that this is a big, big statement for them. So hopefully they, they can add to it and, and try to get a, a win later this season. Unfortunately, their only weapon was their quarterback on rushing and passing. So that's a problem. <laughs> you got to have more than one weapon, on, uh, especially if you're going up against uh, – I think I get, they get Washington, if I'm correct, right? They get Washington uh, yeah. in about two weeks, and then they're going to get – Atlanta in two weeks, so it's going to be a wake-up call. Washington at home, and they're going to get Atlanta on the road. So, All right, Holly, thanks for coming yeah. in. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to next week. Um, we'll see how the uh, schedule adds up there in terms of week three. We're going to go over it here with Mark Simone and Nate Ward, but uh, appreciate you coming in. And uh, go Mambas is what your your whole rah-rah-rah thing is now. Oh, yeah. All day. Before I go, I'm just going to do a little, um, <laughs> like an ad. <laughs> um, you know, I just want to say real quick that, uh, you know, I really, really love this new position I'm in with, with Houston. They're, they've been so welcoming. I really like the culture they're, they're building. It's a brand new team, so that it takes time, but I really believe in this ownership group and the coaching staff and the, the leaders they have on this team. I think, you know, as long as we keep building in the right direction and build brick by brick, I, I'm really excited to see what can happen. But, um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on. I'll be back shortly. Uh, have a good night, everybody.
All right, safe travels to Houston, and uh, we'll catch you on uh, next week or so, okay? All right, thank you. Bye, have a good night. All right, uh, there's a Hall of Famer, Holly Custis, breaking down a little scenario about week two, kind of giving you an insight in terms of the struggling teams and what her viewpoint was. So, uh, And then you also got the, uh, the two of uh, the football sisters, uh, Mariah and Marissa Lopez, their input in terms of the next matchup here coming up against the San Diego Rebellion. So we're going to go to the Oracle of Tackle Football, Women's Tackle Football, and that's going to be the backseat coach, a.k.a. backseat coach. That's Mark Simone in the house. With Mark, what's going on? Hi, Oscar. It's uh, great to be back after uh, uh, missing last week. Um, we have a very, um, you know, a short schedule in the WNFC to talk about, but a very interesting one. Well, I hope you had fun uh, not coming in last week. Hopefully you had you had fun off the air, as they say. You know, I, I did. I, I, You might say I got kind of roped into chaperoning uh, my kids' <laughs> um, school night, but don't feel too bad for me because it was – you know, there's school night at Fenway Park, so I get to go oh, see a, a Red Sox game with. Uh, yeah. I was doing it for the children. I was yes, doing it for were. the children. Of course, Oscar. you were. You're 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 at, you're at the Brian Sweeney mentality of getting that <laughs> getting that Slurpee. <laughs> yeah, you, you know it. And uh, it, well, let me tell you, a cream soda costs a lot at Fenway Park, so no, oh, I had to I make sure I took it easy. <laughs> Talk about a hot dog at Fenway Park. <laughs> you could buy a whole coffee. Yeah. <laughs> uh, aside from that, the, that was the only that part that really heard about it. And, of course, yeah. missing uh, you and my co-hosts and our audience here on the podcast. Yeah. No, no, we missed you. Uh, we missed us. But good thing you had a good time with family. That's uh, the most important thing. And hanging out and watching baseball, that's not bad either, especially Boston Red Sox baseball. So, all right. Um, yeah. Was, Mark, we just talked to Holly. She kind of gave us some insights on, you know, the week two, week three type of – what was your take on week two overall so, before we dive into each each matchup? Right, right. Well, um, like I uh, said a little earlier, it was, um, you know, it was only four games this week, um, so a little light on the action. But um, – but there was action, and I kind of feel like um, the the Philadelphia Kansas City game was was the one game that had an outcome that was a little bit surprising, or maybe not surprising, but intriguing. I think for the you know some of the other matchups, um, although I had high hopes that Houston might be a little more uh, competitive against the Texas Elite Spartans, it it ended the way I think most people kind of. <laughs> expect when they uh when the spartans are playing and you know that's a pretty wide margin of victory for texas um i think we're expecting utah to handle oregon pretty you know uh handily and um the florida avengers tennessee trojans game six nothing i think i think we thought that would be a competitive game and and it was uh with the avengers coming it out on top but for me, my money, I, I think the most interesting game was, was Philly versus Kansas City. And that was, I think, more surprising than anything, right, Mark? Because we last week said, hey, Kansas City, 40-burger, yeah, so I guess they heard us. 
they were like, what? Prayers of Philadelphia? Screw you people. (laughs) They came up with good defense, right? And they shut down Gabriel and the run game, and they pressured uh, Crouch, I think, for three interceptions. Oh, yeah. You know, this was definitely a good game for Philly. Um, And, you know, it's true. We, We kind of, you know... Uh, left Philly, you know, for dead. Um, and, you know, I, I think everybody um, was expecting Kansas City to kind of just, like, walk off with a victory, no problem, you know, outscoring by a Keep few touchdowns. Up. But that didn't happen. Yeah. I mean, and, and they play competitively. Uh, to uh, I think it's – I think she's Russian, right, if I'm correct? I I heard the announcer say that, uh, their quarterback, which is uh, Alatikit Grudedva, Grudedva, if, if I'm pronouncing it right, I, I, I believe she's Russian. From yes, the, that's overseas. right. Um, that that's right. And um, this was definitely one of the bright spots of of um, the game there in Philly. Um, uh, yes, Ala Grudedva, and we're probably Grudedva. Grudedva. Is um, from Russia. She yep. um, she is uh, from Moscow. She played for the Moscow Unicorns, who mm-hmm. um, were the WLAF champions, um, and you were one of the better teams. So uh, presumably she would quarterback for the Unicorns. Um, you know, it, you know, to the championship. She is thirty years old, so she probably has some experience under her belt. Um, She's five seven, 145 pounds. So sounds pretty athletic, and I think we could see, um, you know, from from just watching her in the game, she's not afraid to run with the ball. If she has to. She's not afraid to run into defenders if she's running. Uh, seems pretty athletic, and you know, obviously, just from watching the game, like let's just kind of reel it back in a little bit, okay? Um, offensively. The game was not very good on for both teams, Kansas City and Philly, um, especially right. in this kind of offense slanted age that we live in. And the final score, eight to six, that was ugly. There's there's no denying it. But it was a very intriguing game to watch. Um, you know, not only because the outcome was not exactly what we expected, but you know, we got to see a few players that, you know, we don't really know about um, kind of, I don't know, take some step forwards. And definitely, um, you know, Philadelphia's quarterback, Allegra's Deva, is, is one of them. Pretty clear. I think, I think one of the things that we learned about Philadelphia is even though they have a lot of work to do, all right, there are lots of mistakes, uh, dropped balls, uh, penalties. The penalties was awful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but we we saw that Philadelphia has some pieces to work with there, right? I mean, all teams have yeah. to they have to work on stuff, right? So that yeah. you know, Philly's no different. But I, I think what we didn't know before that we really do know now is that Philadelphia has some pieces to work with here. You know, their quarterback is one of them, and um, you know, I, I think we can see that Philadelphia could win some games. Uh, with Cruz Deva as quarterback, you know, assuming things, you know, progress in the way that they, they want it to, the right developments take place. You know, they're still trying to build their offense. 
Um, and I, I, th- I think one of their, uh, run, their, their main running back is, is injured or the person who was expected to, to start. So they're trying to figure out who's going to step up into the running back role. So obviously that's a task, but I, I think they got some good data from um, the rushes that, that they took in, in this game. And um, Maria Jackson, uh, who is also a wide receiver and not to be confused with the Maria Jackson on t- the Texas elite. Um, you know, she had several carries and did pretty well. She, maybe she'll emerge as, as a solid um, running threat. And I hope they do because, what I saw from um, Grace Davis is that, you know, she she could throw the ball. Uh, her her completion percentage wasn't particularly high in the game. All right, she was seven for twenty, which is, you know, which is like fourteen percent. It's it's not great. Um, I'm sorry, uh, but her yards per completion in this game was thirteen point nine. So that's a first down when she makes a completion. All right, in most cases, depending on the situation. And in week one, 11.3 yards per completion. So, and just by comparison, um, with Crouch in Kansas City, um, you know, for her, you know, in two, in in a couple games, really one game this this year, you know, her completions were, were not even six yards. So, you know, I think there's something pretty good in Grizz Deva, and um, I'm really actually very curious to find out um, how how she develops and, and how that offense develops. Um, that said, their their defense looked pretty good, don't you think, Oscar? No, I, I was very impressed. I was very impressed that they boxed in, they contained Gabriel, they contained the, the run game really thorough, right? They They, they went at it. They were not intimidated by Kansas City in terms of coming in here with a 40-burger. And then also, to your point, offensively, if they can get, uh, I believe I wrote down, the, if they can get Williams, I think it's D. Williams, they get D. Williams and uh, Nelly uh, Mixon, D. Williams uh, Nick and, and Mixon combine, like you said, with, with the skills that uh, Dave already has, we, we have a good mixture there. It's just a matter of who they want to, who do they want to be their playmakers, right? Because they do have the potential, like you said, to get first downs. She does average 13, you know, uh, an average of 13 yards per attempt. She has no interceptions this week. I don't think she had an interception in week one. I'd have to look. But overall, that, that's if right. they can get this offense, you know, uh, the, I think the offensive line is decent enough to give her time. If she can just find one or two weapons that other teams have done, their, their game plan changes. Right, but you know, shout out to the defense. Yes, the defense. You know, shout out to Philly defense. We counted you out and we apologize. Right, Mark? We apologize. Absolutely. You know, it, our eyes are are open, and we um, definitely can can see that there's you know some something happened there. I feel like you know, watching this game. Let me just just pick out a, a moment. All right, and it was in the mm-hmm. fourth quarter, and you know, it's the score is still eight to six. Nobody has scored for, you know, well over a quarter and we're getting into crunch time. And um a Kristen Zangle, uh defensive back for 
Philadelphia. Let's see what number she is. Um, find it. Number 20. Nope. Is that it? Kansas City. Anyways, um, Kristen Zengel, she, she made her second interception of the game right, to give um, Philadelphia one last shot of going down the field and winning it. All right. Um, after she made that second interception, uh, the camera operator, like, astutely followed her as she walked to the sidelines. And, you know, she got a good word from a coach, and, you know, she walked in between her teammates. They were giving her high fives and shoulder pats. And um, I, I could feel like this is a team whose identity is just, like, beginning to form. Like, yeah, it's, it's tough to lose games. But, you know, they say that losing either builds character or exposes it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, 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 just, I just feel like that's where Philly is. So that's what makes them an intriguing watch, you like, for the rest of the season. Um, I think they're finding their identity as a team. I think, they're, you know, their defense is strong. You know, the players have to play better. The coaches have to coach better just like every other team. Um, but they're figuring out, and I think we're, we're, we're beginning to see the results. Because at the beginning of the season, Oscar, you know, we talked about how, you know, the Phantoms back seemingly is against the wall in terms of, you know, their performance and their, even their existence in the WNFC. Um, so I think we're, we're starting to see um, some, some answers here that, they are they are building a team, and the team is they have a vibe going. A team has to be as one, right? Um, and I think we're sort of seeing that happen um, in Philly. Just from watching this game, I just got this feeling. No, on the other hand, Kansas City, they kind of look like a team that's struggling to um, maintain their identity or find their identity, despite winning the game. Yeah, I think if we analyze the offense for Kansas City, I, they were coming in with the impression that they were just going to steamroll, right? Successful win number one against Florida. They, I mean, that's what I only think I can put in, you know, in 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 what confidence they would have. They came in here thinking they were just going to go ahead and and you know treat it the same way they did in game one, which is you know run Galbraith and run Gabriel. But Philly, like I said, Philly did not wasn't having it, even in the red zone. That was impressive. They stopped them in the red zone. It was in, in the Absolutely. blue zone. Absolutely. Yep. Um, you know, a lot of preseason predictions have you know Casey as a playoff team, and you know right now they are on track at two and zero, but they did not really look like a playoff caliber team um, in this game against Philly. You know, they had their share of. Uh, broken plays and penalties and especially turnovers. Um, and so, you know, with, I think there was three interceptions, you know, we mm-hmm. look at court, you know, uh, um, quarterback Lauren Crouch. And I mean, very much like, um, like Philly's quarterback, you know, we've seen the potential in, in Crouch and we can envision that she will win games for Kansas city. Um, you know, going forward as as long as, you know, the team is sort of up to snuff. Um, but I kind of feel like, you know, what's this Crouch's 
second or third season under center. And uh, it would be third, I believe. I feel right. I feel I feel like you know, in game situations like that where the team is struggling, we want to see more um, from Lauren Crouch. I, I don't mean to be like calling her out, um, you know, individually, but you know, she didn't lead the team to victory. And, you know, although Ken Gabriel, you know, put up 91 yards, you know, Ken Gabriel did not lead the team to victory. You know, they kind of won despite, you know, the absence of a, a, a dominant performance from somebody, Oscar. And I'm going to tell you right now, uh, shout out to Sarnese Carney and uh, Kirsten Zangi. Those are the two people that stood out for me the whole game. They stood up, they stood up tall. For Philadelphia, the Phantoms really showed their muscle in terms of defense. Offensively, they struggled. Like you said, they didn't have the weapons. But, yes, Kansas City, like I said, I think they were overconfident from their, their bashing of Florida. And know they come in here thinking, you know, we're just going to take care of business. We're good to go. And I think they have question marks now right, on offense. Because going forward, they can't have that same issue. And if you're going to go, go up against uh, – what's their schedule look like? Uh, let me look it up here. Because I think their schedule gets – doesn't get easier. I believe they get tougher. Oh, by the way, they get to text to Lee Spartan. <laughs> Hi, Lauren Crouch. Make sure you play better than you played against Philly. <laughs> right. They put points up. You know what I mean? And they're brutal right. on defense. And then they get the Bandits. Uh, Bandits, obviously, depending on how they do on the next series, but the Bandits, also very tough on defense, right? So similar to kind of Philly in a yeah. lot of ways. Um, so yep. Kansas City's next four games – is uh, Texas, Denver, Houston. Then you get the champs again. So two battles against yeah, the champs. Rough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome to Mamba country. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Mamba country. <laughs> oh, you know, I, I feel like the glory definitely, you know, they definitely have to evaluate their play in this game and, and find those ways to improve. But, you know, also they have to, you know, put those struggles behind them. Sometimes you win ugly, right? And at the end of the day, it was a team win, and they accomplished something together, even though they struggled. So, so there are you know the positive things to take away from that from that game. Um, It's a learning experience, uh, Mark, because now you won in the trenches, right? With barely getting the win, right? With a lot of mistakes that you created by yourself to play a different ball game that you anticipated playing. So now Kansas City, if you Galbraith, Gabriel, and Crouch, to your point, uh, April 15th, the champs, okay, you go to Texas, which they never lose in Texas. So just go with that mentality right there. You have to beat them at home. Not at your home, at their home. Right. Yep. And, uh, you know, I really feel like, well, I, I mean, the Glory have lost a lot of their, um, a lot of players on offense, you know, productive oh, players, yeah. uh, particularly players that can catch the ball. So that's a struggle. That's probably one of, you know, one of the reasons why, you know, Crouch is not making the kind of um, completions that she was, you know, in the last few years. And the passing game just doesn't look promising at, at this moment in terms of, you know, how they looked like against Philadelphia. But, you know, I feel like I really liked Caitlin Easton, a tight end, as as a mm-hmm. weapon for, 
um, for Crouch. And, you know, I, I think she might have caught a couple of passes, but nothing off the charts. And I, I feel like you probably have to work her into the equation if she's healthy and she's on the field. Um, uh, that's because she's your kind of one of your more experienced uh, receivers, ball catchers. And I think there's yeah. a lot of new blood in the wide receiving core there in Kansas City. All right. So, Mark, uh, let's evaluate the glory here as we go to week three. They're going to face the champs. We know the result will not be in their favor unless they really shock the WNFC. <laughs> and we, all, we also add wine to it as we're watching. <laughs> Get a little <laughs> alcohol in the system. Um, but winnable at Denver, winnable at Houston, and then maybe another loss at Texas. So they literally have to beat Denver and Houston, and then they they more than likely will make the playoffs. So that's yeah, your I, I, I feel like um, – I, I definitely feel like that's what will happen if they can win against Denver and Houston, of course. Denver and Houston have very different ideas about those games. Oh, and, sure. you know, Denver, you know, no matter what happens between now and uh, April, 20, you know, April 22nd, Denver, Denver needs a win, right? Then yeah. Denver needs to, to get that win. And they really, they want to preserve their playoff hopes. They have to, to beat Kansas City. There's, it's like kind of their biggest game of the season must win. at that point. Yeah, it's a must win. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, Mark, uh, if you you're not that surprised one, no Utah chance. took care of Oregon, right? I don't think any of us was surprised uh, that, as Holly alluded here, Oregon really doesn't have a run game. They're missing a real key piece. The O'Connors are the only weapons that they have. Trainer, not so good. And so the end result is, you know, you get routed. On the other side, Mark, uh, this is this this Utah team is just getting going. They they look offensively sound, and Tella and company look angry every game. So <laughs> I don't know what to tell whoever's coming up next on their schedule, but uh, I'm going to say right now, uh, oh the legends, uh, you got to step up to your name. <laughs> it's going to be tough. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be tough. Yeah, and you're right. Um, you know, I think there were lots of questions. Uh, in the off season, you know, with the coaching head coaching change in Utah, although someone who's been with the team for a long time already, um, mm-hmm. it's changing personnel, and you know the struggles that they had last year, um, particularly early in the season. Um, I think there was a lot of concern about how Utah would 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 come out and compete this year, and they've shown that they're they're up to the task and and they're prepared. Um, I don't think anybody. Um, was picking the Oregon Ravens to upset Utah last week, but um, no, we did see some some flashes of like good play from from Oregon. Um, you know, it gave us a good chance to see what they have and what they don't have as a, as a team in terms of personnel on the field right now. Um, and you know, Utah definitely just dominated the game uh, as. as you know, they've done maybe their identity is a little bit different um, because of the changes in their, you know, in their team. But um, the result on the field is uh, remarkably similar to what they were doing before. Mark, if you're Los Angeles, 
Um, you'd barely get away in Las Vegas. You could have had a win, one more play, two more plays. Could have been a different story, and you get, you know, you're obviously in the win column. Uh, now you're getting Utah. It's your biggest test of the year. So this is basically the benchmark uh, in terms of Los Angeles. Can you step up to another level here? Because that's what's really going to be. Then they get Oregon. Not that, they, you know, it's winnable, but they get Oregon, and then they'll get Seattle and San Diego and Las Vegas. So it's not going to get any easier, in other words. That's what I'm saying. So uh, opportunity here to really shine against Utah, maybe keep it close, right? A couple, maybe a score or two down and, and uh, evaluate where you're at. Yeah. Um, you know, it's tough to play the, you know, a team like the Falcons in the, your second game of the season, you know, it, that just makes it, that just makes it tough. But I actually, I mean, I feel like the schedule is fairly, you know, um, it's not bad for the legends once they get past this game. You know, I feel like um, the other four games that you just mentioned against Oregon, Seattle, San Diego, Las Vegas, you know, more winnable games than against Utah, right? Um, now, I wouldn't go yeah. predict that Los Angeles is going to beat San Diego, but, you know, I, I, I think it's within the realm of possibility. So, you know, I think they're – schedule kind of sets them up. They have to make the most of their opportunities, right? Um, and this is, we've been talking, this has come up, Holly mentioned it, I mentioned it, about a team's identity, right? Mm-hmm. And the Legends don't really have an identity as of yet. This is their second season. Um, so they, they definitely need to find their way. And I actually think the schedule that they have in front of them is pretty good. Uh, it's pretty good in helping them find out who they are. They got all, you know, a whole bunch of different opponents, and a lot of the games uh, can be competitive. So we got question mark at quarterback, anyways. Uh, I think Tina Frisbee, uh, Catrone. I don't know if she's out and injured. Uh, didn't see her on the stat sheet at this point. I know there was uh, concerns there. Uh, they had, I think, almost what six different type of runners they incorporated on in terms of the last game against uh, Las Vegas including the one touchdown by Curtis. Um, but, uh, you know, like to your point, they, if you're going up against uh, against the Falcons, it's really going to be on uh, Courtney Martinez, Dana Syke, and uh, Jessica Phillips. Try to, you know, keep uh, Sarah Galicia and Blackwell and Magana. And, I mean, there's just a lot of weapons on that side. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. Their defense is going to get a workout. Um, just trying to slow down the Utah. Um, but, yeah, the offensive question, you know, it's pretty tough. Uh, they haven't really settled on – no one's really sort of emerged from the people that run the ball in Los Angeles. Uh, I think um, uh, Megan Curtis has got the bulk of the carries in that first game. Um, mm-hmm. But – uh, you know, six. They had you know six different people run with the ball. Um, so obviously, they haven't got it all figured out quite yet. And they're probably you know going into the second game. We're probably still looking at. Uh, they're deploying a number of of running backs uh, until they can, you know, decide exactly what they want to do. Yeah. Besides Megan Tyler uh, or Megan Tyler Curtis. That was the only really effective uh, weapon that they had on there. All right. So, uh, Mark, 
Let's talk about this uh, elite Mambas game that we were, were breaking down. Um, same story here. Uh, I don't know uh, how you uh, assume if you're Tagaloa that you got to throw into triple coverage. Why <laughs> against the best team, yeah. you know, in the WNFC? Where is your head? You know what I mean? Right. Uh, you know, the, there were decisions were made. <laughs> Not all of them great. I, I think, yeah, you know, seriously. when you're getting pounded, though, when your team's getting pounded and, you know, all the stuff you're trying isn't really working very well and you can't seem to find a way to adapt, you know, then you start taking chances, you know, like throwing into triple coverage. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, suffice it to say, like, that was just, you know, kind of a standard beatdown um, if, you know, you're the Texas Elite Spartans. Nothing too, you know, just kind of mild beatdown, you know. So I, you know, I thought I thought Houston would score, you know, at least two touchdowns, um, and you know they didn't really look like the same team, you know, against Denver. Um, so it's I, you know, I'm dis- I'm a little disappointed that there wasn't more competitive. I want to start talk, you know, I want to start talking about, um, you know, how to beat Texas, like you know what their weaknesses are and what strategies teams might take, but there's no team as of yet that's even quite up to the level of even starting that conversation. The only people talking about that is the Texas elite Spartans because, you know, they practice against themselves and they're always thinking about how to defend, um, uh, you know, their weaknesses against other teams. So, you know, they know about them better than anybody else, but it would be really great as an analyst to, to be able to talk about a team and, uh, you know, get to a point where we're talking about how to take down Texas. But right now, uh, we're just letting Mark, Texas roll over. They shut, down, they shut down Scott, which they know very well, her potential, mm-hmm. her speed. They shut her down. Uh, the, only, the only heartbeat that, that uh, Houston had was uh, Nana Olivu, the Finnish superstar of the import, and she almost had a 102-yard return for a touchdown. It was just a, you know, one of those, and it was called back, I believe. So that was the only heartbeat that they had on there. Besides the end of the game, I think it was basically in garbage time, right? Because they're already out of it. And I want to say it was what a return by uh, Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn cousin, if I'm getting her name right. That was the only touchdown that they put up, and that was a, almost in like what the third quarter, garbage time. And then they, if you're Houston, right, you're you're getting beat down at halftime, Mark. And then what happens in the third quarter, Coach Jenkins says, let's put in the second unit. Oh, I didn't realize you, we had a second unit. Oh, you guys have a second unit? Yeah, let's put an angel in company to see how you fare <laughs> against them. Right? Oh, my God. I was right. like, angel to Goodry to, you know, angel to Wells, right? And then uh, they end up leaving. Uh, I think they took – they they put Alyssa uh, – I want to say her uh, – was it uh, uh, Weathers, if I'm correct? Alyssa uh, Weathers? I think that's the name of the defensive player, if I wrote down correctly. Um, but anyways, the, um, they took her off the field. Uh, yeah, Lisa Weathers. They took her off the field uh, because the game's already won, so we don't need to we don't need to exhaust her any longer. 
So if you're Houston, mm-hmm. man, you got a lesson in what a championship team is and how deep a depth is because they put in the second unit in the third quarter and for a first for a one and a half quarters you played the second best team on the best team in the WNFC. That's that's frightening, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's frightening. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I saw that. You know, <laughs> I, I I I saw when Angel went in. I was like, oh, yep. she's uh, get some some playing time. You know, she was, you know, she threw nine passes and you know made five of them, scored two touchdowns, threw a pick, but like overall, you know, not bad for your back your backup quarterback to come in and toss a couple of touchdowns against the team that, that, you know, is, you know, kind of expected to be pretty good. So, um, yeah, I, what, once again, you know, solid performance by the Spartans. So we got to give a shout out to, um, I believe it's Radford, uh, Andrea, I think it's her name, Andrea Radford, who, who did get to Bushman to credit her for stepping up. And I believe she got two sacks on Bushman and a couple pressures on Bushman that forced, uh, I believe, some bad throws as well. So uh, there were some positives there. Uh, yeah, Andrea oh, yeah. at So there were some positives there. Uh, they did contain Scott, even though Scott did have some moments where, the you know, Tagaloa to Scott was uh, somewhat effective, right, in terms of the uh, second quarter, I believe, the second quarter, in the midst of the second quarter. Oh. Uh, so there, there were some oh, positives yeah, taken away there with some chemistry. Um, so if they can build off that and maybe, you know, the, def- the defense did somewhat pressure Bushman. But at the end of the day, if you're Houston, you got to see the juggernaut that is the elite Spartans live in front of your face. And at the end of the day, you were not even close to being competitive with them. Yeah, I, it's, yeah it's tough. When we, you know, we look at a game like that and you know all the good stuff that Houston did do mm-hmm. it it does it doesn't reflect on the scoreboard at all you know un- no. unlike the the Philadelphia you know Kansas City game like you know the things that Philly did right they they did reflect on the scoreboard so mm-hmm. you know it it's tough when it doesn't but that i mean that's what happens when you when you play you know the the number 1 team so if you're uh if you're Houston, uh, Mark, we're looking forward to, you know, you beat Denver and you edged Denver. I want to say edged Denver because it was really a battle and it was one, one or two plays here and it turns around and all of a sudden, you know, Denver could have won. Uh, you go and face the, the champ, which, which everybody else is, already knows what's going to happen, right? You've got to bring your A game. You've got to play uh, penalty-free, right? You've got to be able to be strategic on your changes. There's a lot of, a lot of uh, negatives in terms of the team setup in terms of Houston, because they had penalties, they had uh, drawbacks, they had five punts. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're also trying to get off and on the field penalties as well, uh, things like that. Unsportsmanlike, right? Uh, penalties which kill you every time. So you you were giving them a, you were giving Texas a lot of a lot of freebies <laughs> that they don't need, plus field position, which is not what you want to give the Spartans field position. <laughs> not not no, not, it's not hard to win that way. No, it's not happening. Uh, you know, Bushman for 40 yards, easy. 20 yards, not a problem. <laughs> you you yep. give it to her at the 40-yard line, you're done. It's like, you know, how, who, do we, who, do we, who do we draw as a name to, re- to receive the catch, Mark? Is it Holman? 
Is it um, Jackson? Is it Landry? There's options. She's got an array of <laughs> flip cards, you know? That's right. That's right. When it's, any play, any one of those, any one of those players will, can can kill you. So, uh, you know, it's it's a tough it, it's a tough assignment. But you know, you got to keep up. You can, that's that's what the game is about. Mark, so if you're Houston, we see this. They they understand. They know what they're all about now. Obviously, they get to see them in what uh, three weeks from today. Three weeks from today, they get to they get to face them at Texas. Right, but before that, they get Rashawn Gore and the a la Chicago Four style offense. That's going to be interesting to see how they face up against them. Yes. Oh, absolutely. That's a very intriguing matchup. Um, you know, so far Mississippi, you know, was a team that have looked, you know, uh, rem- you know I wouldn't say remarkably changed. Uh, they looked more potent than they did last mm-hmm. year or even two years ago when they were pretty darn potent. Um, so, you know, this might be one of the toughest teams in the league after the Texas League Spartans. So Houston's got to take a lot of lessons from uh, the loss they took um, and, you know, move on to, to Mississippi and hopefully, you know, for, for Houston, find a way to be in the game um, at the end of the game, so maybe they can they can pull out a victory. That would be a huge, huge win for Houston. Uh, I would say a bit of an upset, and, but you know they were able to, to pull out a tough victory against Denver. And you know if if they can make that history repeat again, you know in Mississippi, then you know they're really still right in the thick of the playoff race. Now, we had uh, Rashawn Gore here on the last podcast, so you guys can listen to it, 441. Uh, we also have a really good podcast, 436, Grace Cooper, Coach Soho, uh, 438, Lalani Kamal, Lois Cook, Amber Marcucci. Uh, we also had uh, Michelle Angel before she dove into the WNFC, 433, 430, Lindsey Cash. Uh, and we also had 428, Thelma Banks, Adrian Smith. So uh, whoever is, uh, you know, notable players we've interviewed mark so it's pretty extensive uh library right of our podcast you can go back a ways back and uh, we got a lot of a lot of interviews so five-star review if you like what mark's giving you insights myself nate ward holly custis terry lister uh mackenzie brooks so go back and give us some five-star reviews especially on sprecher and uh apple and listen to our previous podcast uh a library of over 400 and uh episodes so check us out there um mark so uh, Min- uh mississippi washington this is the one the popcorn is going to be for this is where i'm at this is the weekend sean gore ballard this is this is what we were this is what we're waiting for this is the matchup and rashawn says hey this is the battle this is going to tell us what mark if either team wins what, what does it tell us if washington wins what is it what is it going to tell us and if mississippi wins what is it going to tell us well, um, there's a lot of questions as to how competitive the Atlantic division is compared to the other divisions, right? Um, mm-hmm. Washington is a team that been kind of edged out of the playoffs over the last couple of years. A lot of people feel like they really deserve to be in the, the playoffs, but they didn't get there. 
I think should Washington win this matchup, you know, they can say we belonged in playoffs all along and we can compete on the same level um, as the, any team from any conference. And that's what Washington will, that's Washington's hoping to take away from this game. Mark, hashtag disrespectful. They've been disrespected. Maybe they got a chip on the shoulders this year. They really want to. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is a great, you know, this is a great matchup uh, for them to, uh, to, you know, kind of, you know, uh, put their money where their mouth is or, you know, mm-hmm. just prove that what, um, you know, that everybody else was wrong and they're right. So um, it's a huge opportunity for Washington, you know, and they, they were solved in their opening week victory over uh, Florida. And, um, but this is different competition now. This is, this is the Panthers. Uh, this is not going to be an easy victory. Uh, you know, this, this is definitely going to be one of Washington's toughest games all season. Mark, we get Ashley Clark, multiple mobile. We got Rashawn Gore, multiple mobile. Two mobile quarterbacks, very able to do what they what they're able to do. You get a right, nice, durable running back, right? She's outshined uh, pretty much week one. We know what she's capable of right. in terms of Jasmine Ballard, and then you get Candace Davis. We don't know uh, how effective she will be in the run game. It was just one game. We don't know where she's at. We do have Natalie Nix. Okay, Rashida Young and Regina Jackson. So there's three weapons there. As Rashawn said, if we get out of Chicago Force, opportunity there for Mississippi to be explosive. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And I think speed is going to be a, a big factor in this game. You know, Washington's defense is um, has always been pretty stout. Um, and you know, so the question is, do they have the speed on defense to to really keep keep up with all of the offensive weapons that the Panthers have? Uh, I you know, I th- I think they have good speed as a team, especially on defense. So um, it makes for an interesting battle. Like I, I really think that this could be uh, quite a game. And you know, to your point, Mississippi has like has these playmakers and they're chomping at the bit to, um, you know, make more noise. Right. And Mm -hmm. uh, so, so it's going to be a very, very tough victory for, for Washington to get, especially on the road. If you're, if you're Washington, Mark, you get, if you edge Mississippi, it's a very, very good competitive matchup. Maybe you're, uh, you know, at that level where you're going to get the, the Spartans in the playoffs, if you if deserving at this point, because we still have a long season to go, but you're going to get Mississippi right now at Mississippi. You're, then you're going to go to Philly once again, which uh, you fared really well against them, right? Then you're going to get Florida, and then your next clash will be Atlanta, and then you get yep. Tennessee. So, you know, if you're Washington, you're feeling, you're, you're feeling good about where you're going to end up at, but at the same time, like you said, uh, are you going to be playing competitive ball? Because once you get to the playoffs, Atlanta's going to be better. Once you get to the playoffs, Mississippi might be better. And then obviously Texas is Texas. Yeah. I mean, well, Washington, uh, they really have to take advantage of 
of these games ahead of them. Um, they do get to play Atlanta um, in next to the last week of the regular season, and uh, that will likely determine who the number one seed in the Atlantic is going to be. And if you're on the if you're if you're in the number two slot, you're gonna you face a significantly stiffer competition. It's very likely that that team would be facing um, Texas. So it is a very important game. Um, but, uh, you know, going forward, not to look past this game against Mississippi, you know, you know Philly, Philly could end up being a pretty, you know, you know, maybe a tougher game than the first time that they met. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, Florida, we're talking, you know, let's talk about Florida and Tennessee. They're not as competitive as the other teams. And uh, the Prodigy's got them both on, on their schedule late. So, you know, is that an advantage? Uh, you know, they're probably going to win those games. So in, in that sense, it's definitely an advantage. Um, but in terms of getting prepared for the playoffs, do those teams help you prepare for the playoffs? Uh, you know, I don't know. I can't really answer that question. Yep. Uh, but, the coach, you know, the coaching staff needs to find ways to, like, you know, make them as educational as possible for, for Washington heading into the playoffs. If you're Molly Richardson and the and the Avengers, uh, you got to wake up soon, right? Because you get Atlanta, and then you're going to get Washington, and you're going to get Atlanta. So if if you're the Avengers, there's just there's there's only like a win against Tennessee again if you if you can muster the win there. But other other than that, you are going to be facing smash mouth in your face offensive. Uh, offensive uh, powerhouses, basically, and it, it's it's just what it is, and it starts this weekend. <laughs> Atlanta, Atlanta, Phoenix. Yep. yep. I think we're expecting a you know pretty uh, pretty heavy uh, victory by Atlanta in, in this one. Um, you know, I I I feel bad for Richardson just in watching. Mm-hmm. You know holes in the offensive line and, you know, defenders running right through, like, <laughs> she, you know, it's tough when you're the quarterback and you're, you're not getting enough protection from, from your O-line. The own, that O-line has a lot of work to do. And, um, you know, she, she's getting an beat down. You get that stuff. Number one thing to fix. Yeah. She's getting an alley beat down, right? She's getting beat down oh, in the alley. I mean, it's collapsing. It's doesn't have a pocket presence. Uh, you can't. Uh, they're even. They're even having problems on handoffs and and uh, getting the ball to the quarterback, which is not what you want, because that's the, uh, at the line. That's intimidation, and that means that line's intimidated to begin with. So, right. You got the intimidated right. line. You got a quarterback that's got potential, but you can't seem to grasp the ball in time and matter. You got the defense already knows. What they're like basically wolves, right on the other side. And Atlanta is the Wolves on defense. So, mm-hmm. yeah, tough hurdle right now this weekend. If, you, if you're Florida, I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you, but you you're uh, you got to get you, you got to play way better, right? Uh, you got to get some wins, as, as Holly said. You got to just even if you lose, you got to figure out some wins in in, in game wins. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got to find you, you got to find. 
you know, those opportunities in the game to, like, do things that demonstrate your improvement as a team, you know what I mean? Um, shows that, you know, the practices that you've been going to have been meaningful and, and you know, worthwhile, right? And mm-hmm. it's it really it's really getting back down, just, just getting down to the basics, you know, focusing on those yeah. fundamentals and executing them to the best of your ability. Somebody on Atlanta is, is just better than you that's okay, man. Like, you know, that's to be expected. They're one one of the tougher teams. They got a lot of great athletes, you know, but if you, you know, you just got to do the best that you can do. But, oh, yeah. it's so hard, man. It's hard when you're, when you're getting crushed. And, um, yeah, no, it's the difference between being really, uh, really a good squad. And then the difference between a disarray squad, right? That's the differences between what we see right now in terms of this right. matchup. One one yeah, dialed absolutely. in, the other ones are just in disarray. And unfortunately, Florida has to figure that out because, uh, you know, Atlanta is no different than Texas. Once they get going, they just they just start firing. And, you know, there's not much you can do there except for, you know, next play, next play, and try to get better on the next play. Um, let's finish up before we get out of here, Mark. Seattle, Seattle much improved. Uh, veterans coming back. We got a, a new faces, quarterback. You also got uh, some returning some returning uh, faces, Jackie McCall. McCall. Uh, you also had um, you know uh, other other players that came back as well. So uh, much improved. Uh, game one, uh, they it was the Roth show. So 118 yards, 13 carries, average of almost a, a first down a carry and two touchdowns. So we saw the potential there in terms of a running game. Uh, Wood not so great, but if she can improve. Uh, at this point, uh, she's got some weapons as well in terms of receiving. You got Tapler and Mora. If she can get them going, so if you're uh, Seattle, you're feeling good coming into this matchup uh, against uh, Denver, who uh, obviously wants to rebound. Yeah, it's re- you know it's really great for me to see um, you know some some of these players that have rejoined the Majestics. It's um, it's nice to see Rachel Wood's name back up, you know, in the uh, quarterback spot. Um, you know, Jackie McCall. You just you know, like quite a few long, long-term, long-time Pacific Northwest football mm-hmm. names. So, so that's really great. And um, you know, as we mentioned in the last episode, you know, the Karen's back in the fold, and we feel like that's making some difference in in terms of. Uh, this team's competitiveness definitely looked much improved from last year. And, um, you know, they came out in the first week and, you know, played a tough game against the Ravens and they pulled it out. And you're right. Um, you know, Ralph was really pretty spectacular. 13 carries, over 100 yards, as you said, like almost a, a first down per carry, uh, which is outstanding. And she, you know, she scored the team's two touchdowns. Um, so there's some good, you know, definitely seen some good things there. Um, that said, um, I think ha- it's mandatory to get better quarterback play. I think in in Denver against against Denver's defense. Um, yep. You know, uh, you know, which wasn't wasn't terrible, right? Five or thirteen, you know, almost hundred yards. She threw a pick, and that, that doesn't that doesn't help help the cause. 
I think she's probably shaking off some rust. Those first game jitters too, um, and just getting back in the mindset of 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 being on the Seattle Majestics and being back on the field. I think we might see we might see um, better play and have Woods sort of be like more um, you know integral to the passing game. And yeah, it is definitely possible that like uh, Tapier and Mora can, you know, really get open. Uh, and Tapier had 93 yards on on three receptions, so that's an average of 30 um, in their previous game. So the bill, you know, the tools are there, the personnel is there to to make an impact. Bandits are a different test from the Oregon Ravens, Oscar. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and and Cubas, if you get her the, the time, she's uh, you know tall. She's able to pass. Uh, you got Kelly Washington. You got Grace Cooper. You got Jasmine Thomas. Uh, Carla Romero. They got weapons. There's, how are they? You know, can they put it together to to create some sort of an offensive threat here? And that that's literally the question for Denver in this game is can they get an, an offensive efficiency going defensively? I think they're okay. I think offensively they got to figure out, you know, what what pieces are they going to put together to, to be productive on first downs and, and and long drives. Yeah, hundred percent, Oscar. They really need to generate offense with these weapons that they have. Um, it's it was mind blowing to me that they did not score any points uh, mm-hmm. in their first game against the Houston Mambas. It, it's still mind boggling when I think about it. I you know, <laughs> I still. Um, boggled. Even though, you know, uh, you know they're playing the Majestics, um, and it, you know, it, one play can break it open. Like you said, like yep. um, Rouse, it, all it could take is a big play to get a touchdown. Um, if Tabor breaks free uh, on a catch, one big play, mm-hmm. that, that's a touchdown. If you have trouble scoring points like Denver has had this year and in years previous, and, you know, two touchdowns could just, like, be the end of the game for you. So, and you got really yeah. good special teams on Denver if you utilize them properly. You got Griggs, you got Kraft, you got Thomas. So if you're the OC, offensive OC for Denver, I mean, you, you got to structure this really fast because you don't have much time. You got to put these these uh, pieces together, right, to benefit you thoroughly. And this is a game that could happen. So interesting yeah. to see how Seattle matches up defensively. It's going to be interesting to see what Denver does offensively, because that's literally the key right now. Can they offensively put together a win against Seattle? And that would be great uh, for for Denver at home. Get the first yeah. not win. That would be good for them. All right, Mark. That's I think we ran down pretty much week three. Uh, week three, pretty pretty extensive. Uh, week two, you know, hats off to that. But week three coming up here, looking forward to Mississippi, Washington, myself. Also, Seattle, Denver. Uh, not to neglect all the other games, but those two matchups I think uh, I'm going to be really focused on, uh, on one on the east and one on the west. Yeah, sounds good. I'll be watching those, watching those games too. Like, I mean, especially this Denver-Seattle matchup. I think it's one of the most interesting um, of the bunch because, you know, Denver 
if Denver's going to get back on track with their offense, this is going to be the game to do it. Like, I think Seattle's mm-hmm. probably their most winnable game that remains on their schedule. And, you know, that they have this whole season. So it's it's kind of like now or never for the Dan, uh, the Denver offense. So uh, Terry's listening, I'm pretty sure. So, Terry, you know you know the, the formula. Uh, the backseat coaches gave you the formula. So if you implement the formula, maybe, you know, it becomes a Slurpee, and, and you get a nice feel, and, and you get a W. <laughs> but, okay, you know. Uh, thanks to Mariah Lopez and Marissa Lopez for coming in here and give us the lowdown and the matchup that's coming up here between the Silver Stars as well coming up this weekend and their game plan there. Uh, but uh, week three, intriguing, Mark. It's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to Clark versus Rashawn Gore. I'm looking forward to – what Denver will do because this is this is a must win I think more so for Denver than it is for Seattle so it's gonna be an interesting week big time looking forward to it all right Mark thanks for coming in appreciate it uh, looking forward to next week as we chat down and break down week three look forward to week four but uh, it's gonna be an interesting matchup here so if you guys haven't figured it out W score go to W score WNFC slash W score nine dollars for a month $40 for the year. You can catch every game that we just uh, bro- break down here, that we broke down from week two to week three. Catch every game right there, WSCORE, w, uh, WNFTFootball.com, forward slash WSCORE. So catch you next week, Mark. Thanks. Have a great night. Bye, Oscar. <laughs>